Good morning, everyone. Here we are. It's going to be something a little bit different again today. I'm coming to you through the screen. But, you know, I just felt it was so important that I still preached and delivered to you the message of the series that we've been teaching about alive again, because we are in the middle, I believe, of a series that is going to change every one of our lives. I know my life has been changed and impacted, and I know yours has been too, and yours will continue to be. So let's join in prayer again this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we lift up this time to you. God, we ask as we share the truths of your word today, God, that it would be alive to us, that it would be alive to our hearts, that, God, we would come alive again, that we would realize the importance of true relationship with you. God, we give you this time and God, we ask that you would just rule and reign and take complete control in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You know, I could talk for hours this morning and recap the past five messages that we have covered dealing with our relationship with Christ. The awesomeness of being totally surrendered and in love with him. The importance of that being our number one priority of our life. There's a lot of priorities and we've talked about those. But the number one most important priority of our life needs to be, where do I stand with God? Where is my relationship with Him? That which is available to us. That's another thing that we've been talking about. The awesomeness of that which is available to us through relationship with Him. The sky is the limit. To those who truly know God. But the question is today, do you really know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Do you have one that's alive right now? Not a has-been. We've talked about this. A lot of people have a has-been testimony. Well, tell me about your walk with God. Well, when I was 12. Well, thank God for 12, but you're like 49 now. I mean, what's God doing in your life now? There should be an active, up-to-date, ongoing testimony because when you're in relationship, relationship grows and never diminishes. What's presently happening in your life? What are you looking to future? Come on, keep it up to date. Keep it fresh. Get alive again. Be in relationship with God. It's not enough just to come to church. You must know him. I said you must know him. Man, I get excited when I talk about this. It excites me that we can be alive again. It excites me that we can know God again. It excites me that God wants to know each one of us. 
So let's read our key verse again as we rediscover relationship with him. Let's read the verse of testimony because that's what we've called it. It's the testimony of our lives, our relationship, our walk with him. It comes from Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. You're going to have to open your Bibles today because you're not going to be able to see it on the screen. So Romans 12 and verse 11 says these words, not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The NIV version says it like this, and this is the version that we've been taking our series from. It says, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in eager desire, effort, or earnest enthusiasm, because that's what zeal means. Let's read on. But keep your spiritual Further, keep that great warmth of feeling, keep that intense emotion as you serve the Lord or serving the Lord. In other words, as you live, as you serve, as you're in relationship with God, guess what? The desire, the effort, the enthusiasm should build, the zeal, the fervor, the great warmth of feeling and emotion towards God should never diminish, but yet grow and grow. And that must be every one of us testimony of our walk with God. My walk with God is alive. My walk with God is growing. My walk with God is daily. My walk with God, listen to this, is something that I need to be involved in, living life with him. And this morning, I want to continue the series this morning as we talk about grace, grace, grace. I'm going to make a statement as I begin this morning, and I want you to listen very closely to this. So here goes. Are you ready? The only way we can have relationship with God is through grace. Let me say that statement one more time because you need to grab a hold of this. This is a key truth this morning. The only way you, we're going to make it personal to you, The only way you can have relationship with God is through grace. And here's why. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve relationship with God. We certainly don't meet the standards of being in relationship with God. And nothing that we can ever do in life can ever achieve or can ever accomplish it. You see, grace is what he did for us. Notice the direction of grace. It's not us to him, but grace is from him to us. Grace is what he did for us. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, how only through grace we can have relationship with God, that we can be alive in him. Stop and think about that for a moment. I want that to sink in beyond the religious jargon that we have made it. Relationship with God. Think about that for a few seconds. Because the relationship we're talking about is something that he desires and wants more than we do. The creator of the universe, the one who has no beginning and no end. Genesis 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning, God. He's always been. He always will be. The one who has no equal, not even a close contender. The one, the only one. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to 
know you. And through him knowing you, you can in turn get to know him. I think that's pretty awesome. So many times we look at these things and and as we pray and as we read and we say these statements and they become such religious jargon to us that we so often forget the true meaning. I said, that's pretty awesome that that God, the incredible one, the awesome one, the one that's beyond words, wants to be in relationship with us. I mean, that's mind boggling. I mean, that's off the scale stuff, don't you think? I think it's incredible. But to have that type of relationship, we can only experience it by his grace. Today in our society and in the lives that we live, the word grace has many times lost such power and become such commonplace in our everyday world. We use that word grace for everything. We give grace. We say grace. We name our baby girls grace, Hopendale. We say that people have grace. We ask for grace with our bills. Can you give me a grace period? Grace, grace, grace. Come on, say that with me, grace. Come on, grace. Say it one more time, grace. We associate words with grace like, oh, nice or merciful or loving. And true, grace does mean those things. But can I tell you, grace is a whole lot more powerful than nice, merciful, and loving. Grace, I believe, is the very foundation of our walk with God. What am I talking about? That which we are standing upon. If we don't have a foundation, we won't make it. Grace is the foundation that we can build our lives upon. Because without grace, there is no chance of relationship. God's grace or the grace of God is, listen to this, the practical working of the goodness of God in the life of the believer. So what is grace? It's the practical work. And I love the fact that God's practical. We make it so spiritual and everything has to be so... God is so practical in what he does. You know what practicality means to me? It means when I'm at work, it works. It means when I'm at home with my families, it works. It means wherever I'm at, if I'm at the ball game, if I'm at the mall, wherever I may be, guess what? Faith works through grace. Relationship with him works. It works. So it's the practical working of the goodness of God in the life of the believer. Bishop Charles Wallace, when he came for our church anniversary, he said it this way. Grace is unmerited favor, which he said and is a sovereign act of God. That's what it is. Grace is that which we don't deserve, unmerited favor. But then he said, but this is what it does because grace is an action word. It's not passive, it's active. It wants to be alive in relationship through grace. There's action, there's alive, there's reality in God. Here's what he said about grace, what it does for us. Grace is God's omnipotent power working on behalf of the believer, working in your life, working on your behalf, taking care of the things that you cannot do. You see, grace is God working in you, not you working for yourself. 
We've got it so wrong in the church, thinking if I can just do this, and, and if I can just do that, then you know what? Then I can achieve this, and I can... No, grace says, no, it's what God has done for you. Let me break it down this way. Most understand the freedom that grace brings. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 is a great place to start when you're looking at grace. So turn there with me, Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. When we're looking at the freedom that grace wants to bring to each one of our lives. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Now here's where it stops for many of us. We understand that. We understand the freedom, the saving, the salvation that comes through grace. But we must continue reading to fully understand grace in its totality. What does it say? For by grace are you saved through faith. But here it goes on. It says, and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Say with me, grace is a gift. Come on, say that. Grace is God's gift gift. That's key to understanding that. For what reason? Well, let's read on verse why. Verse 9 of why? Not of works. Well, I wonder whose works he's talking about there. It's not his because that's grace. But he's talking about our works, our efforts, what we try to do to obtain it. Let's read on. Not of works, lest anyone or any man should boast. In other words, man cannot take credit for it because we would if we could. But what we have to realize is we are saved through grace. You see, the freedom we get is because of God. But then what we tend to do is we tend to base our Or we tend to relate to God based on our evaluation of ourselves, according to what we do and our merits. That's how we try so many times to equate grace. We don't just live in the freedom of it. We try to what? Relate to God on our evaluation. We try to earn that grace. We try to base it upon our performance. But listen to me. Remember the statement that I began with? The only way that we can have relationship with God is through His grace. God wants our relationship to be based on how He views us. And He views us through the completed work of His Son. What do I mean by the completed work? I'm talking about that which He accomplished through the cross. When He stretched out His arms and He died for each one of us. We're not even a part of that equation. We just need to be in a position to receive God's grace. We didn't work it. We didn't earn it. We didn't provide it. God made it possible through his crucified son. And now all we have to do is receive it. You see, when we place our lives in Christ, when we place our lives in the cross, which is the completed work of Jesus Christ, then we have the ability to walk in the grace of God. We realize or we receive that undeserved favor, unmerited favor, and his power that desires to work. I love that. You've got to hear that this morning. Grace is his power 
that desires to work inside of you. What, me? Yes. With all my mistakes and failures? Yes. That's how awesome and powerful grace really is. So what has happened to us? In the process of our relationship, in the process of us receiving Christ through grace and not of the merits of ourselves, what has happened to us? I don't want to say where is grace because grace is still there. Grace is never gone. So to say where is the grace would be a miss. But the real question is, why are we not walking and living in that grace? Why are we not in that which is the only true means of relationship with him? I believe there's two key reasons that I want to point out to you this morning. The first one is this. I believe one of the main reasons we don't live in the grace of God is because of the lack of understanding that we have when it comes to God's holy word. We either don't know the word of God or we don't truly understand it. You know, I've just got to throw a little commercial in here right now. You need to read your Bible. I say this so many times and and I've said this and some people, oh, here we go again. You need to get the word of God inside of you because the word of God says that you need to hide it in your heart so you won't sin. You need to know the word of God in your life. And I'm going to show you why you need to know the word of God, because the word of God, what? Shows you who you are in God. So there's a lot of people who don't either read it, they don't know it, or they don't understand it. Listen to what Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, one of the minor prophets, he says this word of God's people, which is true for us as Christians still today. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I like the way he puts it. They are destroyed. It gives a good picture of what happens when we don't know, when we don't understand the Word of God. We're bringing destruction upon our lives. And I'm going to take it one step further because God is a multi-generational God. So we don't only take it and destroying or destruction upon our lives. We're destructing our children and our children's children's lives. We've got to understand. We've got to build our lives upon the Word of God. My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. What knowledge is he talking about? What lack of understanding is he talking about? I'm telling you right now, and it's the theme of the entire word of God, and that is this, who we are in Christ, who he has made us alive to be, that we fail to understand who we are truly in Christ. And oh, Satan will mess with you on that point. He'll mess with you and say, oh, God would really love you. Who are you? Who are you? In England, where I come from, in the soccer stadiums, one of the chants that they would shout to the other fans, there would be about 20,000 fans just standing, pointing, shouting at the other people going, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? What? Intimidating them. Satan's an intimidator, isn't he? And that's why it's important that we must know the truth. John 8 and verse 32. Most of us know these verses off by heart, but they're written to get into our hearts. John 8 verse 32. And you shall know the truth. That's relationship. 
Come on, that's relationship. That's knowing the word of God, the truth of God for your life. And you shall know the truth and the truth. Will you say with me this? That you know. Say that with me. That you know. And the truth that you know is that which shall make you free. No wonder we're not free. We don't know the truth. No wonder we're not living in great victory in our lives. We don't know the truth. We know the stats of all the players on the LSU roster. We know who's ahead in the AL East or the West. Or we know what's happening with 120 whatever days it's been since the NFL lockdown. We know all the stats. We know all the things that's happening. We know the news. Oh, we know about that court date. Wow, that girl should have been condemned. She was guilty. We know all these things, but we don't know the Word of God. Why? Because we feast on Facebook. We feast feast on the TV, we feast on all these things and we leave that which is the most important in our lives undone. I would say it's important to know the truth because the Bible says the truth that we know is that which will set us free. And the word that will make us free means a continual freedom in our life. You've got to know it. You've got to understand who you are in Christ. Listen to me. You've got to know that you're an overcomer in Christ. You've got to know that you're the head and not the tail. You've got to know that you're above and not beneath. You've got to know that you're the lender, not the borrower. You've got to know that you're the apple of his eye. You've got to know that he loves you. You've got to know that his grace is sufficient no matter what you've done. His grace is there to meet your every need. You've got to know scriptures like that. You've got to know 1 Peter 2 verse 9. That says this, but you are. He's not talking to the person on your left and your right. He's talking to you, but you are. Come on, say with me, I am. But I am. I'm chosen. I'm a chosen generation. That means I'm not a mistake. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a priest in God. I may not feel like that. But listen, my relationship with God is not based upon feelings. My relationship is based upon faith. And I have relationship with him through grace. That which he did for me. I may not feel chosen. I may not be a royal priesthood. But I'm telling you this, I am in Christ. And it doesn't matter how I feel. I've got to begin to realize. I've got to know who I am in Christ. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people. I love how the King James puts it. You are his peculiar people. Peculiar doesn't mean that you're all crazy. I mean, look at your neighbor. I mean, you can find around you reason for peculiar. It's all around you. But that doesn't what it means. You're his special people. That means that God literally has placed a hedge all around you. That his protection, his hand is all around you. That's what it means. You're chosen by God. When, God, when Satan came to Jesus and, and he accused Job, what did he say? But I can't touch him because you've put a hedge all around him and his family. You're a peculiar, but you've got to know who you are in God. But let's read on this verse. From 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you, what? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you hear me say the word grace there? No, you didn't hear the word grace, but grace is there. Let me show you. Grace is working there. It says this, paraphrase, God says you're awesome. 
I mean, that's what God says. You're great. I mean, you're incredible. There is none like you. There is none equal to you. You are my choice. I chose you. That's what God's saying. God says you're awesome. And it says that we are awesome because of him who called us out of where? Come on, read it with me. Because he has called you out of darkness. Now, in the word of God, darkness equates with sin. Because the Bible says God is light and there is no darkness in him. So darkness depicts that of sin, your sin, your failures, your shortcomings. So notice, your greatness is not because of you. God says you're awesome, but guess what? You were in a mess. But God still saw you as awesome. Come on, you've got to see this this morning. Come on, you should be shouting in this place. You should be running the aisles this morning. We're talking about the grace of God, that which we don't deserve, but that which practically wants to be inside of us, living out through us, giving us hope for another tomorrow. God says, you are great, not because of what you've done, but you're great because of what I have done. Because of you. There's mistakes and there's failures. But because of me, there is grace that overrides and overcomes and goes beyond every mistake and failure. He says this. He said, I chose you out of darkness. Grace. I took you out of your sin. Grace. And now what? Now you can live in marvelous light. Aren't you glad that God didn't say, get it right, and then I'll work in your life? God says, just give your life to me and let my grace work in you. Let my grace make you right. Let you, my grace be alive inside of you, that you'll know who you are in me through my grace. Come on, say with me, grace. Grace. I am what I am through his grace. Come on, say that with me. I am what I am through his grace. Come on, say it one more time. I want you to get this into your spirit this morning. I am what I am Through his grace, only by his grace, the one who called me out of darkness into his most marvelous light. You've got to understand that. You've got to know who you are in God. Because here's the reason why. Point number two. Of why we don't always walk in his grace. is because of condemnation. Being condemned. Something that's condemned is something which is slated to be knocked down. It's unfit for use. It's condemned. It's no good for anything anymore. Come on, Satan is busy at work wanting to condemn us as children of God. Wanting to point the fingers. And many times he has the right to point the fingers. But thank God we have an advocate. When God looks at us, he looks at us in relationship with him through the blood of his completed son. It may surprise you today, but do you know that if you love God and want to please him, you're a great target for condemnation? On your back is a target that wherever you go, there's a target because as you want to please God, you're the one that Satan wants to take out. One of the greatest tools that he uses against each one of us is the powerful tool of condemnation. This is because even though we want to please God, we're all humans. And we will never perfectly obey him. 
in all areas of our lives at all times. We slip up. We don't have to look at our neighbor for reason for that. We're guilty as charged. We all slip up. We all make mistakes. We all do things wrong. And perhaps today some of you are thinking, not me. Yes, you. Exactly you. You're the one we're talking about. But not just you. We're talking about all of us because the Bible is very clear. God's word says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not just falling short, but it's falling way short. It's falling way beyond the mark. It's not just missing it. Oh, if only I'd had one point more, I would have made it. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about that the gap or the chasm between us making it and not making it is so great that we ourselves couldn't, are not possible or it's not possible in us to be able to bridge that gap. That's what God says. It's not what I say. You can say, well, not me. God says, yes, you. We all have weaknesses. We all succumb to temptations in our life. We all give in to sin. Maybe just little ones, but it's still sin. And what happens? In stage right walks Satan. And you know what he brings with him? Bringing condemnation. As we begin to feel bad for the things that we've done, things that we know because of relationship with him we shouldn't be doing, Thoughts that we shouldn't be thinking, words that we shouldn't say. We know, we sit there and we begin to feel shame. We begin to feel guilt for those things. We begin to feel bad for those things. And what does Satan do? The Bible says he's an accuser of the brethren. He begins to confirm our way of thinking. And then he takes it to a whole nother level. How could you, he begins to say. You are supposed to be a Christian. People were looking at you. You preached to those people and now look at you. You're as bad as every one of them. How could God ever use someone like you? You blew it. Come on, we all know the words that Satan says. I don't need to say any more because we all know those words, unfortunately, too well. As condemnation begins to come as the result of our actions what we try to do, the frailty of our lives. But listen to me. Listen to me today. If you are firmly grounded in an understanding of God's grace, those thoughts of guilt and shame no longer have to take your joy and steal your peace. Listen to me. If you're grounded on a firm understanding of God's word and you know who you are with him, who you are in him. Those thoughts of guilt and shame no longer have to steal your joy, no longer have to take your place, no longer remove that joy and peace that you have of relationship with him. But listen to me, if you don't know and you don't have an understanding, you'll be downcast, you'll be broken, you'll be in despair, you'll have no hope. You'll say, how can God use me? We've got to know who we are in God. We've got to know that the only way that we can have relationship with him is through grace. Through grace. Through grace. But listen to me. Grace is not a license to sin. Just like every one of you has got a license in your wallet. 
And you can bring it out and you can show it to people. There's my license. It's in my wallet. Grace is not, oh, a get out of jail free card and the fact of oh, I can just go and do whatever I want and live however I want. But listen to me. But we will at times sin. We will at times fail. But thank God the Bible says his grace is sufficient. You've got to hear me today because I feel that there's some people today that are under the condemnation of God. You're trying to live right. You're trying to do right. Everything inside of you wants to live for God. Everything inside of you wants to serve God. But it seems no matter what, the decisions and the choices you make, no matter how hard, it just seems like you do wrong things. And the condemnation comes. You find yourself in wrong places. You find yourself occupying the wrong thoughts. Come on, we're all human. We've all been there. Remind yourself of that. The Bible says no sin has overtaken you except as common to man. Satan wants to isolate you and say you're the only one. No, you're not. The person beside you deals with the same things that you do. I deal with those same things. And for those who say that they don't, they're a liar. And the truth is not in them. We all deal with those things. But we need to remind ourselves that God's grace will reinstate us. Every time when we come back to him. Listen to what Romans 8 verse 1 tells us. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, not a little, not maybe a part. But the Bible says there is no condemnation. So where does condemnation come from? It's not coming from God. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are in relationship by grace, through faith, with God. And here's why. Through relationship. Let's read on. It says this in the last part of Romans 8 verse 1 and verse 2 it says, Who do not walk according to the flesh, but now according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit is life in Christ Jesus. Say with me grace, because that's grace. Grace. And it has made me free from the law of sin and death. What we have just read in those two verses here is the comparison of the old covenant and the new covenant. When we look at law and we look at grace, the old covenant was law. The new covenant through The sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is grace. And we're going to deal with this perhaps a little bit more on Wednesday and go into more detail. But God gave the law to prove to mankind that he cannot meet the requirements. He cannot meet the standards expected. God gave the law in the old covenant to show man that they cannot do it alone. The law doesn't fully, I believe, demonstrate the love of God. Yes, it's love because it keeps the children of God in check. It keeps them accountable and all these things. But it doesn't truly show love as the new covenant grace does. Why? Because God never desired to live with mankind in the state of law. But he chose rather and longs to live with us in the state of grace. I'm going to say this another time. Grace is not a license to sin. But when we do sin, grace is able to bring us back to that place with God. 
Turn back a few pages into Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, and it says these words, What shall we say then? As in chapter 5, he's talked about the grace of God, the new covenant, the forgiveness that we have in God. Well, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Read the first two words of verse 2 and notice there's an exclamation mark after it. Meaning he's getting excited when he's saying, no way, certainly not. And notice how Paul writes it. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Did you catch that today? Those who have died to sin. Those who have cried out to God and confessed their sins and cried out for repentance. Those who long to live in relationship with him should no longer desire the ways of the old man. And that's how I began this series. The symptoms will not be symptoms if we tackle the root cause. Sin is the result of little or no relationship in our lives because the Bible says what? Those who are dead to those sins. How shall we who died to sin live any longer? You see, if we're in relationship with God, if we're fully surrendered to God and there's a passion that's alive inside of us, not something we have to force and work. Why? Because we understand who we are in God. We understand grace. His love towards us, his forgiveness to us, no matter what. The one who called us out of darkness, grace, but yet still saw us as awesome, incredible in our state of failure, but instated or reinstated us to a place of marvelous light. You see, you don't want to hurt someone you love. I said, you don't want to hurt someone you love. But if you do, there's grace. There's grace. Our focus should not be on, I can't do this and I can't do that. Because if I do, I'm failing God. Because when our focus is on those things, we're going to stumble and fall. If you've ever played golf with someone, it's amazing. Golf is very much a mind game. Some people, when you play a new course, they turn around and say, oh, by the way, on the left, you don't want to go there. There's water. It's amazing how many times that you'll hook that ball to the left. That if they would not have said anything, you wouldn't even perhaps have even noticed it was there. And you wouldn't even have gone close to it. You see, so many times we focus on the wrong things instead of hitting it down the fairway of life. If we're focused on performance and trying to do, we're going to mess up. But when we focus on grace, when we focus on relationship with him, things become so different. The desires for those things go. We find ourselves talking different. We find ourselves walking different. And it's not because we're really trying to do it, because we can't do it. But when we focus on falling in love with him, he does it for us. Because his grace is sufficient. God knows you're not perfect. And that's why he provided grace. 
That's why he gave us the ability to be in relationship with him. No matter what. No matter what. You can be in relationship with him through his grace. There's so much more to grace. There's so much more that we could talk on. We're going to talk on it Wednesday and perhaps even next Sunday again, because I don't want to rush through this if we don't get to the completion of it. But time is gone today. Grace makes it possible for you to love God. Grace makes it possible for His love to be available to your heart. God wants us to be in relationship with Him based on how he views us. And he views us through his son. By grace are you saved through faith and not by yourselves. For it is a gift of God, not of you, not of your works, lest we'll take credit for it lest we'll boast about it. No, we don't deserve it. But he freely gave it to each one of us. Grace is one of those things I don't choose to question. But grace is one of those things that I choose to accept. Because I need his grace. I need his grace. Because I'm not good enough. But today, you're good enough through him. Through giving your life to him, through accepting that grace, through finding faith, relationship in him through that grace. Discovering through his word who you are. Putting to death the condemnation because we all mess up and we all sin. But yet we still can say his grace is sufficient. No matter what you've done today, God's grace is able to meet your every need. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? In a few seconds, someone's going to come up here and going to give an appeal. As the band makes their way back and begins to play something. But I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray with you that you will understand grace in a new way. It's not just a prayer before we eat. It's not just the name of a girl. It's not just a grace period for paying a bill. Thank God for those things. But grace is what? God's practical working in our lives on a daily basis. God's omnipotent power that wants to work on behalf of the believer. Let me pray with you today. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for each one in this place. God, we don't have it together. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. I'll be the first one to say, God, I make mistakes. But God, I thank you that your grace is there. That your grace is there. It's not a license to sin, but God, your grace is there. That if I do sin, there's still forgiveness in you. But God, as I live with you in relationship, as I serve you, as I love you, as I cry out for you, God, there's hope that we can have in you. That through grace, we can have relationship with you. And God, I pray today that we would understand grace in a new way. 
that we would understand the power of grace that's alive and wants to work inside of us, changing us, making us into your image and likeness. I thank you, Jesus, and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.